Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2 on your Sunday morning. On the right today, John Hancock. Good morning. He's right there on the left, John uh, Michael Kelly. Good morning. I almost got you guys mixed up. I'm John Brown. Because we look so this, much uh, alike. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's stunning sometimes. I can't tell you apart. All right, big story this week. Republicans canceling primaries, Warren versus Wall Street, and every Democrat for themselves. Doug Luzader has a look back at the Democratic debate this week. Are you, are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Being are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? Taking on the front runner. Former Vice President Joe Biden taking some heat last night at this third presidential debate in what may have been a shot at his age. But Biden got in some licks of his own. For a socialist, you got a lot more confidence in corporate America than I do. The Democratic Party really wanted this. All of the front runners on one stage for one night, trying to narrow down the field. Senator Elizabeth Warren on the rise, but largely playing it safe, taking on familiar targets. Those at the very top, the richest individuals and the biggest corporations are going to pay more. Joe and I strongly disagree on trade. Senator Bernie Sanders went after Biden as well. Others on this stage, though, were just hoping to break through with new proposals. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. My proposal is that we give every American 100 democracy dollars that you can only give to candidates and causes that you like. But it was the infighting that really made the headlines here, even if some thought it went too far. This is why come presidential on, debates on. are becoming unwatchable. Yeah. Yeah, we're, this we're reminds everybody of what they cannot stand about Washington. All right, well, it was interesting. So winners and losers, you're the Democrat, you're up first. What, what stuck out the most to you on that? Well, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders are the winners because not much happened here. Status quo winds up being the case. Julian Castro had a really bad night. That attack on Joe Biden winds up backfiring on him. Nobody else really was able to emerge. They didn't have a bad night. Cory Booker and Pete Buttigieg each had good moments in the debate. Kamala Harris, not really present. Yeah, that's right. Nobody's uh, really talking much. It will be interesting to see how it shakes out, but status quo right now means we've got a three-way race. Yeah, you know, this was a great news for the Democrats, Brown. Uh, nobody watched. Uh, yeah, you know, this thing, you know, it was one goofy idea after another after another, and you start, you know, you're running the catch. I remember the old Texas Instruments calculators we had when we were in school. They didn't have enough zeros to handle the amount of promises these people were putting out there to bankrupt the country. Goofy, go, let's go seize everybody's guns. Let's do that. That's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was one unpopular idea after another. It was... Uh, well, I think it may be unpopular to some of you uh, extremist Republicans who've gone in on, all in on Trump. But for those of us who want to see common sense gun reform take place, 
Absolutely, it was good substantive debate. For those of us who want to see the health care system that Donald Trump told us he was going to finish in the first couple of days uh, of his administration fixed, we want to see that discussed. So I think it was a really good debate that actually talked about substantive issues that the voters in the Democratic Party, the thoughtful voters right now that exist in our country, care about. You're going to send the government door to door taking people's guns, right? Well, and, and, and one he, guy and, said that, John. He, well... Yeah, but it got a lot of applause. You had a guy said that Mexico was going to pay for a wall. That was a blatant lie. You didn't seem outraged about that. All right, let's, let's go one by one on some of the points here. Now, interesting that a lot of people are saying that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders kind of lost the first half of that debate because Joe Biden killed it when it came to health care. Healthcare. He said, no, wait a second, your plan is going to cost an average family of, what, four and $50,000, $5,000. You can't say that's free. So you're talking about pointing out issues. That's where I think Biden actually won in this part. Well, absolutely. And he's up against folks who want to do Medicaid for all, no private insurance. Joe Biden's in a good spot in that place, and I think he jousted well with them on it. Yeah, and some substantive issues here. You made a great point when talking to Claire McCaskill on the radio this week. Uh, yeah, Biden is leading, but if Bernie or Elizabeth Sanders get out, that consolidated far left block moves to either one of them. Yeah, right? so it's my, not a done deal. Uh, my sense is that Bernie benefits from having as many people in this field. You mean Biden? Viable, yeah, Biden. As, yeah. as many people in this field being viable as possible. I think Biden begins to suffer if it becomes a two-way race, or if the early states, if Iowa and New Hampshire go against Biden, I think his propensity to drop and drop quickly is high. All right, I do want to get into what Beto O'Rourke had to say. Trying to kickstart his campaign, announcing that he would have that mandatory buyback of assault weapons. Uh, you heard a lot of applause there. And I think what, what I think maybe resonated with some people is he knew that had to be unpopular, Michael, yet he went with it anyway. So you actually know what he stands for before you vote on it. Yeah, I don't know that it's unpopular uh, inside the primary base of the Democratic Party. This is a guy that's polling, you know, not even in the single digits. He's not showing up, so he's looking for something to grasp onto. It's an unconstitutional thing that he offered. Uh, people do want to see common sense gun reform laws, and they're angry. So when you have a guy who shows anger like that, I think he was trying to appeal to that. But Beto O'Rourke, man, a guy who started with so much promise and has been just nothing more than a fizzle. And I think that's why you saw him go so strong. He's trying to get any traction at this yeah, point. Yeah, and, and, and it is an unconstitutional idea. Imagine the government showing up at your house confiscating your guns in this country. I mean, it's yeah, that's some it's scary a ridiculous stuff. thought. It's like an idea that Mexico's going to pay and build for a wall. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren. I love Before it when you, the debate. Uh, you, I just love it when we point out craziness when we have absolute lunacy in the White House. Well, that's what debates are for, right? There you go. Lots of craziness. All right, before the debate ever happened, Elizabeth Warren dominated the news coverage. The big buzz on Wall Street was that the industry leaders don't want her in office, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure she doesn't get into office. They think she's going to hamstring innovation, undercut the banks, and be overall inhospitable to businesses. One insider said that her policies, as they're drawn up right now, would destroy the market, thus tanking your 401K and your pension. Here's the tweet from CNBC that really got the conversation going. Wall Street executives fearful of an Elizabeth Warren presidency. That's according to Mad Money's Jim Cramer. Well, Elizabeth Warren then tweeted back, I'm Elizabeth Warren, and I approve this message. Okay, John, we know Wall Street's going to have a big influence on this because of the money in politics. I, I don't remember an entire industry coming out against one candidate here. They're really concerned about her well, policies. Of, of course they are. Uh, you know, we've got this all of these pie-in-the-sky policy proposals from free college tuition to universal health care to guaranteed incomes. And, you know, who's going to pay for that? Well, they're going to go and they're going to take the money from the people that actually make the economy work. And, and that's going to tank the economy. 
I mean, it, the, the only good news here is that none of this stuff will ever happen because it's so far f flung. But yeah, what, what she's proposing would so transform this country, the historical basis upon this, what this country was built upon, uh, it, it, I can't even conceive of a more horrific public policy. They're not going to take money from anybody. They're going to do the same thing we did with Donald Trump's tax cut. They're going to put it on the credit card to pay for this stuff. You should have that same outrage as it relates to that credit card, to the, to the tax cut. Having said that, I think Elizabeth Warren's tapped into something here. I don't, it's not my favorite candidate, but you have to understand, big business and CEOs are as unpopular as car dealers, you uh, sales car dealers these days. People don't trust them. They've made these promises. They gave us those $1,000 bonuses the first year, even though they got those checks every year afterwards. Nobody's getting the $1,000 bonuses. She's tapping into an anger, which has watched the 1% get all the money and the rest of us continue to fight to make ends meet. Yeah, I think quickly. she's tapping into something. Yeah, and, and the populist viewpoint here, Fox Business Analyst said this week, what do you expect? You have a bank teller that steals $1,000, she goes to prison. You have banking executives which lose customers millions of dollars, they get a bonus. They've never come back and rectified that situation, which is still fresh for a lot of people, and I think and, that's what she's and Yeah, and the pay gap continues. CEOs now making four or five hundred times what a regular employee makes. They see these big bonuses go. I think she's tapping into an anger. It may not be something that appeals to Republicans and, and free market types, but it appeals to a lot of people out there who are struggling to make ends meet. The greatest nation with the greatest economy in the history of mankind. The last thing we need to do is take a sledgehammer to it and destroy it, and those policies would destroy this country. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, only one Democrat here in Missouri that's been elected statewide. State Auditor Nicole Galloway wanting the top job in the state, but does she really have a chance? To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Wildly popular podcast. It's huge. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's they come huge. from inches it's around. Huge. Out there. Really, literally. All right, big race in Missouri next year is going to be for the governor's office. Mike Parson hoping to keep the seat that he inherited, while State Auditor Nicole Galloway hoping to rise the ranks. Now, we had one-on-one -on -one interviews with both the candidates over the past week to see why they think they're the right person for the job. Here's a few excerpts. Vic, I don't know anybody anytime. I go to work every day knowing I, I love the state, I love the people of the state, and I'm going to do what's right and, and for the people of the state. Politics 101 is what I think. People, people accuse you that no matter who my donors are, somebody's going to make an issue out of it. I'm a CPA and a certified fraud examiner, and in my job as auditor, I look at all levels of government to see how taxpayer dollars are used. And we've identified $350 million in government waste and mismanagement. We've also had 45 criminal counts brought against corrupt public officials because of my work. In my role as state auditor, I have served as an independent watchdog. I hold Democrats and Republicans accountable alike because that's what taxpayers in this state deserve. This is going to be a really closely watched race over the next year or so. Full disclosure first up. Well, I'm out working on some efforts to support Nicole Galloway. And I am uh, the chairman of a PAC that is uh, purpose to re-elect Governor Mike Parson. Okay, as expected. I mean, that's what they do for a living, right? Uh, I thought it was interesting is that I've met both of them, both very personal people. I, I don't always say that in elections when I cover. So this is, what do you, what do you think is going to stand out here? Well, I think here? each of them have a significant advantage. 
Governor Parson has the advantage of one following Eric Greitens and being the incumbent and therefore he's going to receive a lot of money, a lot of support and the bully pulpit of being the governor. Nicole Galloway has the advantage of she's an auditor for a spot that she got reelected to, but she's not had to take hard positions. She's running against a governor who supported a ban on abortion, even in cases of rape and incest, who refuses to deal with the crime situation happening in the two big cities by implementing common sense gun reform. He has a legislature that's way far right of him. So at a time where he's going to have to one, go win his primary and then come to the general election, He's got to find that delicate mix to not alienate the entire urban core of, of, of the state on each side. I think this is going to be a close race, um, and it will all come down to how big Donald Trump wins in this state. It stays under 10% for Donald Trump. Guess what? We're going to have a female governor for the first time. Uh, he's going to win, and, and he's going to win by a lot. Now, I will say the auditor is a really good office to run from. You know, And if you look at state history, uh, it's a, just because of the nature of the job you're doing. It's a, it's a good government office, and, and Nicole Galloway is an attractive, effective candidate. So that said, what Mike Parson has, of course, is integrity. Uh, what he has is a record to run on. Look at the jobs he has brought to this state. Uh, the, the strides they've made in transportation, even after the defeat of the gas tax initiative, uh, his legislative agenda passed by the General Assembly overwhelmingly endorsements from every agricultural group this far in advance unprecedented he's in a very strong position with a very good record those are two things that are pretty powerful and I think we all know this is gonna come down to the suburbs again I even asked her that I said you're gonna have to pull Republicans over in this state probably not gonna win the outstate areas you're gonna win the cities but so you're talking those two bands around st. Louis right Kansas City, maybe Columbia Springfield a bit but it's and that's it and more specifically areas. likely educated white women in those suburbs right. and they're not pleased with the extremist legislation that this governor has passed that bans abortion even in the cases of rape and incest the suburbs are, are pretty much gone for Republicans nationally. Uh, I'm talking about the entering suburbs. What's not gone and what's very much in play and I think critically important are just beyond that perimeter. Talking about your St. Charles counties and Franklin and Jefferson counties, uh, Cass County, Clay County over uh, on the Kansas City side. Springfield very much Green uh, an important uh, part of that too. But those, those are the places I'm going to be looking. If there's erosion there, then you begin to have some concern. I just don't see it happening. Also this last week, speaking of law and order, many of the state's top leaders held a crime summit in St. Louis. The governor was there, Mayor Leiter Cruson was there, the county executive was there, along with a lot of others. Two people not there were two elected prosecutors from St. Louis City and County. We're the only elected officials that are charged with violent crime in the city and the county. And so if you're having a crime summit, why was the people's voice silenced? How can this crime issue be addressed without the elected prosecutors? So we caught up with some of the people in that meeting. They say it was simply that the city is asking the governor for money and some help. The prosecutor didn't need to be there for that because they're not asking her for money or help. Should they have invited these two? No, to this meeting? no, this was a meeting of people who want to fight crime. Uh, that would not be a good definition of how Kim Gardner has conducted that office in the city of St. Louis. Uh, it's, it's important for, this, for the mayor and the county executive and the governor to have a relationship where they can come together and where they can collaborate and then come up with ideas. Not necessary for Kim Gardner and her 20% conviction rate uh, to be in a meeting like that. Hey, when the governor of the state of Missouri calls you up and says, I want to come and talk about crime in a very dangerous city, you sit down with them. And that's what we saw the regional leadership do. 
And John's exactly right. This was all about finding money for police, finding opportunities for police to be able to help and assist to deal with the crime situation. We've got another thing as it relates to prosecutions in the city that needs to be dealt with. I think a larger crime summit, if we're going to deal with crime as a whole, that needs to take place. But this was specific to resources. Yeah, and if you're going to do that, then you invite the feds in too. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Jensen, the U.S. attorney, you know, that would be appropriate. But uh, prosecutors, th this wasn't a meeting for them. All right, still to come here on Hancock and Kelly, auto thefts on the rise all over the country, not just here in St. Louis. Many of the carjackings getting more violent. Is the key fob to blame? John Hancock on the right made an interesting point during the break here. We've uh -oh. gone through two segments of the political show and have yet to discuss President Trump. Woohoo! How about that? Mark the tape, right? <laughs> yeah. That's your chance. Yeah. This never happened. So let's talk about him. All right, for the first time in a long time, sitting president getting challenged from within his own party. So some states, they're just canceling primaries. Several states, including Arizona, Kansas, Nevada, South Carolina, at this point just canceling the Republican primaries, guaranteeing Donald Trump the Republican nomination again in those states. Gentlemen. What are your thoughts on this? So, so this is a party, the Republican Party and a presidential candidate who's weaponizing words such as uh, socialism and communism. You know what this is? This is authoritarianism. This is the most anti-democratic thing you can do. I'm sure Jimmy Carter would have liked to have not to have to face Ted Kennedy, but this is a democracy. I don't know how you can stand in a straight face and call out what you believe to be socialism when you're canceling the most democratic thing we do, which is to go and vote. What is this president afraid of? Yeah, I don't like this. I mean, you should have your primaries and your caucuses in a state. Now, having said that, the practical implications of it are nil. Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. He's going to be the nominee whether or not you have primaries in South Carolina and these other states. However, as a matter of principle and precedent, uh, this is not a good thing. You know, this is a country that is based on electing its leaders, and you've got to have a process to do that. States are supposed to participate in that process, and they should. And that's the process by which we should get a presidential nominee. That's a great point. If you base it on, well, he doesn't have a chance to win, then do you start canceling elections? Right. Why are we going to do this when the polls show you're way up? In Why have a general so? election right. for mayor in the city of St. Louis because you know the Democrats going to win? Well, right. you have well, elections. Let's just cancel you it. Do it. Yeah, right. This is nuts. All right. Also this week, President Trump says he's going to take action to ban thousands of flavors used in e-cigarettes. That industry is facing allegations of marketing to kids, not being fully regulated. Uh, some very valid health concerns surrounding these two. I think my question here is, can the president just come in and say, well, I, I'm going to get rid of this product. Wait, you're going to ban vaping, but you're not banning well, cigarettes. An authoritarian can do that. Uh, th th this needs to go through a process. You know, one of the things, what do we have, a couple of dozen people we think are related to this? 36,000 people a year dying from gun crimes, and the only thing we can do is send thoughts and prayers as it relates to that. We can't pass common sense gun reform laws. We're having a couple dozen people die from this. It's important. It needs to be studied, but he's not an authoritarian. He is not allowed just to go out and just take out a product. Now, according to the Constitution, John Hancock, it's, it falls under the exercise of the police power, meaning the president can protect health and safety of Americans. That's, what, that's how they're going to justify this. I just don't know if that's the right thing to do when you have other products that are equally dangerous. Don't, or more dangerous. Touch those, right? or more, like, I mean, like you know, if you're going to go out banning products out there, let's get rid of all the fast food restaurants. That's not good for anybody. Bloomberg tried. And, and yeah, the, the, big, the big soda pops, I mean, that was, this is not good. I, his heart's in the right place here. 
but this is bad public policy. He's got a heart. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I am not for this. Okay, and very quickly here, auto insurance rates going up. Yeah, they're about to if you haven't seen it yet. One reason, as expected, distracted driving, causing insurance companies to lose a lot of money. Other issue, car thefts are skyrocketing. One of the main issues, people leaving key fobs in their cars, allowing easy access. Heard you guys on the radio talking about this one. This is a big deal that I don't think has quite hit the, the country. Well, and we're also seeing carjackings right. up across the country because now to be able to steal a car, it's not like the old days where you went in and so that they shoved a screwdriver in the, the ignition and went out and started it up or hot wired. You have to have that fob. So we're seeing carjackings happening in places they've never happened before and lots of them. Yep. Back in the good old days, Brown, when I was driving around in that Oldsmobile Delta 88, nice. you know, if you wanted to steal that car, all you had to do was get in there and do this and you're gone. And, uh, you know, now you got to rob me to get my car. Right. And you probably would have given away the old Delta 88. <laughs> I tried to. Please, I can't afford the gas on this I couldn't. Boat. I could never meet the emissions test with that right. thing. All right. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it is time for the final thoughts. Said you want to be close to me. Time for Final Thoughts today. John Hancock is up first this week. Well, you know what we do for a living, Brown? We come up with slogans for these candidates out right. there. And I've been worried about our good friend Bernie Sanders. You may see him at the... There he is. Oh. He's an angry little guy. And he was particularly angry at the debate. So I've come up with the perfect slogan for Bernie's campaign. What you got? Get off my lawn. <laughs> you think it'll stick? I hope so. Maybe. All My right, final thought up. is based on, look, we all know there's a shortage of police officers in the city of St. Louis. There's been this effort to recruit cops now out in Jefferson County and in St. Charles County. We even learned that St. Louis County is having a hard time recruiting officers. Have we made the job of a police officer so toxic and even more complicated that less people want to get involved? Yes. I mean, what are we doing? We need police officers. No matter who you are and what part of this city or region you live in, even if you've had a bad experience with the cops, at some day in your life, you're going to need them for a good reason. We need good people getting into policing. Like, Let's stop demonizing all police officers. And like I've heard you say in the past, you get these officers who are in a tough district, and they're like, well, I'm going to go out to one of these communities where there is no crime, right. collect my check, and not have to deal with all that. It's always so. nice to end the show when Kelly's right about something. Bro. There's <laughs> right. something you don't see every day. All right, well, thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly today. If you missed any part of the show, Download it right there on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.